Business Class, a podcast sponsored by the iBear MBA program of the USC Marshall School of Business. Expert insight into the world of business. This is Dick Travnik, the director of the mid-career MBA program at the University of Southern California's Marshall School, interviewing Fan Bao, the chairman and CEO of China Renaissance. Uh, Mr. Thanks Bao, for inviting me. tell us a little bit about your career. So I'm a native, you know, Shanghainese, and as we are <laughs> taking this conversation in Shanghai, you know, born and raised in Shanghai. Born in 1970 or so. Born in 1970, yes. You know, oh, you're uh, a young man. I'm uh, not so young man in a, in, a, in, a, in a very, very young industry, <laughs> but, you know, I'm hanging there. And... Um, so uh, I went to study overseas and, 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 and got my first job at Morgan Stanley on, back in the 94, spending about seven years as an investment banker. And then later on, you know, joined a Chinese tech startup, you know, around 2000, and run their strategy program, was their chief strategy officer between 2000 and 2004, and I started my own firm in 2005. That was uh, um, pretty much you know, a snapshot on my career. Um, the what, why did you, you were talking a moment ago about why you, did, you started your firm in 2005 rather than 2000. Something about you felt like a foreigner in, inside of China. And, and yeah, I explain le- that idea. I left the country when I was 19. So I basically, you know, on... on, on I didn't work in China for almost 10 years, although, you know, I work on the Chinese assignments. Uh, and I felt like I need a process to uh, relocalizing uh, myself. And, 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 you know, back then, you know, in the, in, in the late 90s, you know, I'll, I mean, I speak Chinese all that, but I, I, my understanding of Chinese culture, particularly how Chinese startup works, is, uh, was not very good. I felt like I need to go to a place where, you know, I, I really learn. Uh, uh, the world of you know uh, how the Chinese startup you know work how the uh, Chinese entrepreneur work. I felt like I needed some sort of training ground, a training program before I launched my entrepreneurial in a program. Yeah, and it seems like uh, you localized quite successfully. It was good. It was a very good experience. What were some of the things that you had to do to localize? Just immerse yourself. Yeah. So I think uh, a couple of things. Right. Obviously, being an investment banker, you know. Um, you never um, work inside a real company. You know, you work with a lot of companies, you never work inside a company. So that was good. You know, I was a, a part of the uh, most senior, you know, uh, uh, a member of the uh, management team. And uh, I was also on the board. And, and so I really got to um, see the inner working of a Chinese, you know, uh, uh, startup, you know, how to work, um, both at the corporate governance level as well as the management level. Um, I was put in a position to um, uh, to be responsible for both, you know, strategy plan, strategic planning, uh, and strategy, you know, uh, implementations. So that was very good training, you know, uh, for me uh, as I launched my own, you know, uh, uh, entrepreneurial projects and to thinking through, you know, from strategic level and every new business got into. I was. An, Responsible later on to run all the new business initiatives at uh, at, at, at at this company, so at, at at a peak, you know, I had a 200 people to manage, you know, 
<laughs> being a young investment banker, you know, manage 200 people organization was also very good training and very good for me. I'm not sure very good for my, uh, <laughs> my previous company, you know. <laughs> that was a lot of learning curve to go through. Now, with uh, China Renaissance, what are the industries of the future that, that you want to be financing or you want to have part ownership of? I think we're uh, really at a cross section of very long um, secular super cycles, in, in our view. One super cycle is obviously the rise of Chinese new economy. You know, uh, um, ten years ago it was barely you know existing. Today, you know, the new economy sector contributing over one third of the GDP growth in I'm China. Sorry, by, by new economy, you're talking about IT. What, what, well, what's, what's the new economy? The, the concept of new economy is basically anything that is technology-driven and disruptive um, um, and, 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 and mostly entrepreneurial organizations. If you click the free boxes, you know, we consider a new economy. You know, that, so that encompasses a pretty wide you know, uh, space. Right? And you're saying this is a third of Chinese GNP? GDP. Third GDP growth is contributed by uh, a new economy. Of the growth? Of the growth. Of, of, of the growth. Okay. If, if you look at the most valuable, you know, companies in China, popular listed company in China, you know, I think over half of them are actually from new economy sectors. So, so uh, none, of, none of these are SOEs? No. SOE, no, new economy, none of these SOEs. Because one, one of the criteria is actually entrepreneur organizations. So it has to be entrepreneur-owned, you know. Uh, that would consider a new economy. So I think these rise in the economy, uh, underpinning that is really uh, uh, the technology uh, and, 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 and the increasing digitalization of the, uh, of, of the economy, right? And in China, with this a large population, you know, online penetration, young, you know, young internet users um, is very, very, very well situated, you know, for that. So we're direct beneficiary of this, you know, one uh, super cycle. The other subcycle is is really you know the uh, um, Chinese financial services industry. If you look at it, you know where we are now compared to where we should be, you know China is still you know have a lot of you know leg room for, for growth. The today you know either in terms of invest banking, investment management, and wealth management, I think China is about anywhere between you know one tenth to one fifth the size of the U.S. Despite the fact that you know, we actually have a much larger population and a growing wealth. Um, one of the key inhibitors for the growth industry has been you know, the relatively unsophisticated and backdated regulations. But I think you know, that hopefully is going to change over time. <laughs> with a little bit of help, with the, with the, with the, with the trade issues. You know. <laughs> so, so you think the American-led uh, trade skirmish fight war is something that's going to help uh, entrepreneurs of China. That's probably unintended cons- consequences. I'm but certain, you know, I, I but, guarantee you, it's unintended. <laughs> but from our perspective, you know, as long as it's beneficial, you know, we work on them. You know. Right. And then the third super cycle. Two, two super cycles. Oh, two super cycles. Yeah. So okay. I think we're very much at, a, at the cross section of these two super cycles. So we're servicing new economy firms, but at the same time, we're financial services firm. So, so that's really, you know, uh, what gets me excited about, you know, starting China Renaissance. And that's, you know, what's been driving our growth for the past, you know, 10, 15 years. You know. Okay. A, a final question. As a private sector entrepreneur, 
how do you see the uh, likely purposes and likely consequences of the the trade friction, the, the Washington initiated trade war? I I think the purpose you know we can debate all day long, but uh, let's just, let's say the consequences or how the the outcome could play both ways, right? I think there's the, 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 the better outcome and, and there's the worse outcomes. I think the better outcome is the two countries to sit down and, and really, you know, address these issues head on and, 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 and make the China market, you know, more open, you know. Um, but I think it you know, will make U.S. market more open as well. Right now, we also see a lot of restrictions for Chinese investment into U.S. For example, the CFIUS list is getting well, longer CFIUS and longer. expansion. Expansion, yeah. right? You know, I mean, I don't think that's, you know, that's right. I don't think that's good for U.S. economy either. So I think if both countries can sit down, you know, really figure out how to have a more open, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, system in terms of a trade, in terms of cross-border investment, uh, ultimately, you know, uh, it will benefit both. You know, although the, the process could be relatively painful. But, you know, if, 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 if that's the outcome, you know, every, you know, both sides are aiming to, that's good. I think it's actually a winning situation. The worst outcome is, you know, and both sides are taking increasingly more protectionist approach and it make the market, you know, more uh, closer to each other. And then both sides try to create a trading system. You know, obviously, U.S. has its own, you know, trading, you know, alliance trading system. But China trying to create a parallel, you know, trading system. I think that will be probably the worst, you know, uh, outcome. Well, America um, pulling out of TPP just gave China an entree to all these TPP countries that wouldn't have been there. Yeah, but uh, you have a try to create a two parallel system that is, you know, uh, uh, really isolated from each other. Ultimately, that's no good for anyone, right? And, and and so I think the reality might lie somewhere between my best case scenario and a worst case scenario. Let's see where 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 which where where they end up, you know. Okay, last question, but it's related to the prior one. How do you think? The arrest of Huawei's CFO uh, last week is going to play into the the trade friction, and and might China respond by arresting uh, a Microsoft executive who happens to be transiting through Hong Kong? I I certainly hope not. I, I think so far, you know, the company itself and the, and the Chinese government has taken a major response to this issue. Um, obviously, I'm not privy to the to the specifics of this issue, but. I think the way you know uh, it happened is is very fortunate. It's very unfortunate, particularly in the context of the recent discussions between our our, our leaderships, and it certainly is not going to be helpful uh, from a point of view advise, advancing you know the discussion on both sides, and uh, from a point of view of trying to resolving these issues. And, and and so I th- hope you know the these issues will be resolved. In a, in, a, in a constructive and, and a measured way, and obviously, you know, uh, and the CFO is a personal, very, very, very dear personal friend of mine. You know, I, uh, I, I hope her, you know, our current situation will be resolved, you know, quickly, and she can re- reunite it with our family. Can you imagine the possibility of university students getting excited about this and riled up and marching out of the gates of Beida and Fudan and Jiaotong? That's one. Th- Direction you definitely don't want to get into. I think that's that'd be very bad. That'd be very bad. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen, and let's hope that uh, your friend, the CFO, gets released uh, 
soon, sooner rather than later. I think all these issues needs to be addressed. But I think you know the way that you know it is handled and the way that it has been done is not constructive at all. Correct, Mr. Bao. A pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you very for much. joining the USC podcast series. Thank you. Business class. Expert insight into the world of business. The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite.